Hello and good evening. Welcome to another episode of Between the Presets, a podcast by me, Rudy Stetner, that comes out every Monday evening. Here is the place where anything that can be said in polite company is fair game for discussion, even if it occasionally offends. Let's roll. Good evening. It is Monday, the 8th of Kislev in New York. It is Monday evening, the 20th of November. Uh, I am, it is where I am. I am in Jerusalem in Israel. It is the uh, wee hours of the 21st, a bit before sunrise. It has been, with God's help, a blessedly quiet evening. I came here to visit family in Israel, family living and working as civilians, and family serving in the military. My purpose in coming was not only to see family, but also to see Israel and to be with uh, Israelis in this very trying time. On the one hand, it's quiet here. I guess you could say it's even somber. Many people have uh, family members uh, serving in the military, and some people have lost loved ones, either in combat or in the October 7th attack, or even have family members who have been taken hostage or who are missing. But on the bright side, there is a feeling of unity, a feeling that we are all in this together. Before this all started, there there was raucous political debate about judicial reform, about, um, you know, there was the usual religious, non-religious divide. That's almost, with with very few exceptions, that's almost completely gone. Coming from the United States, um, when I came into Ben-Gurion Airport a few days ago, I walked down a passageway where there was poster after poster, of course, of the missing, with the same graphic format of the posters, uh, you know, bordered and red and everything like that, uh, of the individuals giving a face to the horror and the tragedy. And what I was struck by was that these posters there in the airport and in many places I saw I saw them were undisturbed people would stop to look at them and in New York in much of the United States you have uh, hate filled people who tear them down although this is an act which only represents the individual or group Uh, perpetrating such vandalism 
um, the contrast in the reverence for the people in the posters, the love and affection almost brought me to tears. It was very emotional. I was a bit saddened to see that there's, even though, even for an off season, there's quite a bit less tourism in Israel now. When I, I visit a country, um, I have love and affection for that country. Like when I went to Albania early in the earlier in the year, if I'm in a place that is crowded with tourists, I'm happy because I want the country to do well. I want the people to earn money. And uh, I like to be a part of their prosperity. And um, I hope that uh, pe people of uh, goodwill will, in this trying time, come and visit Israel. When I arrived here, um, the it was quite a bit less. Uh, there were quite a bit less rocket attacks than there had been in the weeks prior. Um, my visit is not quite through yet. It should remain quiet every place. But I was in two situations where there was an air raid siren. One, I was in a private home and everyone gathered to the safe room. And the other, we were eating out in a restaurant and the siren came on very loud. Everybody got up and um, uh, ran over to, uh, I guess it was a heavily fortified, um, I guess, parking garage. And we stood in a staircase. I noticed, I, I was running top speed. I was told before I came here that you had 15 seconds to run to the bomb shelter. So I just followed everybody. But for me, it's all or nothing. I'm either running at top speed, which in my um, uh, arthritic old age is not uh, so fast. And people were kind of looking at me with a little bit of amusement. They, were, they had been through this before. Um, they, uh, I guess, had a sixth sense as to what was a higher level of urgency and what was a lesser level of urgency. It was a, a quiet night at the Western Wall, a place that I always visit when I come to Israel. I sat for a long time um, outside uh, praying, saying to Helam Psalms. Um, I couldn't even feel the rain. I mean, normally I get in under, out of the rain, but uh, this was just a different space, a different dimension, as it always feels when I when I I go to the wall. I saw a few soldiers there uh, uh, going to pray. Spoke with spoke with one of them. 
uh, spoke with a Hasidic gentleman from, um, I think he was from Kyrgios Yoel or someplace near there. And it was just a beautiful conversation. Uh, these moments when people meet who are from different religious factions, just joining together, finding common ground. It's just beautiful. There were times, there, there have been times when Hasidim and modern religious and non-religious don't always see eye to eye, but I'm just enjoying the unity. Speaking and mingling with people from different backgrounds, it's a beautiful feeling. Whatever we believe politically, whatever we believe in the religious dimension, our sincere hope should be to make the world a better place through our, uh, through our efforts according to our conception of how things are. And even if we disagree with somebody else, even if we think that their ideas are wrong, prone to unfortunate outcomes, uh, we should uh, respect that their goals are much like ours in most cases. I spent a few days in the south, in the city of Ashkelon, and the show, the synagogue where I went to Davin to say the uh, Shabbat prayers was a Yemenite show. And uh, the core contents, Shema, Shemona, Esther, etc., are, you know, recognizable and, uh, you know, you know, it's it's not different from others, but there's a lot of stuff which is different about the prayers. What I really loved was uh, the different pronunciation. One thing that stuck out was we have, in Hebrew, we have the gimel, the letter gimel, which is makes a sound comparable to the letter G in English. And in the Yemenite pronunciation, it, it, it comes out as a gemel. It's beautiful to listen to. Among the Jewish people are different accents in Hebrew, different customs, slight differences in dietary laws and different skin colors, and uh, I think that reminds us, it is a fortuitous reminder that we should see, seek unity in deeper things, that we should reflect upon what unites us. Now, this is a lesson within the Jewish people, and it's also a lesson that could be applied to others as well. During this visit, a few people 
expressed appreciation that uh, uh, I was coming here to visit at a time that was certainly difficult for Israel and for Israelis, difficult for all of us. And they, you know, expressed appreciation that we came to visit at a time when some people might be standing, staying away. I was touched by that. I asked somebody who served in the army with, with Druze. That's a religion where in, in Israel at least it's, I think also in other countries, it's speakers speak Arabic, but they're definitely not Muslim. They have a completely different religion. It's most of it is secret and unknown even to some of its uh, people born to it. And I asked this uh, young soldier if there is a difference between the Arabic spoken by Druze and the Arabic spoken by um, Muslims and by Christians for that matter. And he said the most marked differences in spoken Arabic were regional, that there's different parts of Israel where uh, Arabic is spoken uh, differently. And a Druze who comes from a particular region will speak with the accent uh, of his region. That's kind of interesting because Israel is not a big country. It is about the size of New Jersey. I remember my father telling me, we lived in Germany for a while, that he could tell within 50 kilometers where a person was from based on the accent they had speaking German. And of course, uh, Germany has not only different accents, different dialects, but it also has different languages spoken within its borders. It has Bavarian, um, which differs sufficiently that uh, a someone who only speaks high German, the standard German you learn in school, would be hard-pressed to understand it. And then there's uh, Plattdeutsch, uh, Low German, which is, there are different dialects of that. And uh, that's actually on the continuum between German and Dutch and is actually closer to Dutch. When I was uh, walking around Jerusalem, uh, I saw buildings with Greek lettering on them, probably belonging to the Greek Orthodox Church. I saw uh, inscriptions in Armenian. During other visits, I've encountered Russian. There's a huge... Russian has actually now become the fourth language of Israel. Hebrew, Arabic, English, and Russian. I have a deep affection for 
Russian culture and for the Russian language, what very little I know of it, and by extension for Slavic languages. History, the study of history, tends to be a study of human conflict, and linguistics contains within it a lot of um, very hopeful messages. You get languages like Serbian and Croatian, which are have, have a fairly high degree of mutual intelligibility. At one time, they were referred to as Serbo-Croatian, but that pair of languages, um, its speakers have, to put it mildly, not always gotten along terribly well with each other. And of course the Serbian is written with a modified Cyrillic alphabet, and Croatian is written with a modified uh, Latin alphabet. And then you get something similar with Hindi and Urdu. There's almost a sad sense of tragedy when you consider on the one hand the history of conflict and also the commonality that is expressed by language. Even in English, a critical part of the character of English is due to the French, the Norman French, not, not like the Parisian French, having occupied, uh, uh, having occupied England for about 250 years. The story of the English language, a good part of it in its formative years, is the story of various occupations, colonizations, and whatnot that left their mark on the language. Why do I mention this? Why do I digress in this way? Because Israel is now at war. Uh, sad to say. The choices that the leaders of Gaza made and that unfortunately a, quite a large sector of Gaza's population, not all, have made war necessary. But wars are not forever. Studying the history of uh, World War II, uh, 1945, there is a landscape of ruin and devastation across Germany, across Poland, Russia, Greece suffered a horrible famine from having been looted by the Germans. And by grace of God and with the help of a magnanim with magnanimous victor, you know, the Germany and other countries uh, rebuilt themselves through the Marshall Plan and through their own hard work by grace of God and enjoyed an era of uh, prosperity. When the war ended, there was a generation of young people that had been educated in the Hitler Youth, the Bund Deutsche Mädchen, and um, overseeing that, the Nazi Party. And to a great extent, 
this outlook faded and was replaced with less noxious um, social ideas. And this can happen, this can happen again. I believe it will, with the help of the Almighty, happen again. My family was a German Jewish family, pretty assimilated, actually very assimilated. But to me, growing up, uh, I heard German and I thought that was a Jewish language because there was a little enclave of German Jews that I would meet every time I went to visit my grandparents. And I found later that the German language, of course, has a different resonance with, understandably, with many Jewish people. So coming from that background, I came to the conclusion early on that to paraphrase a defense of the Second Amendment, languages don't kill people, people kill people. It is the use to which language is put that leads to tragic loss of human life. I refuse to condemn the Russian language. I certainly don't support a lot of what the Russian government is doing. Um, I am not going to banish Arabic. There is music in Arabic that I love. And even though there is a twinge of pain at this time with the uh, war in, in uh, Israel, there are many Jews who speak uh, Arabic as well within, within Israel. I heard a story during the 1967 war that uh, the Egyptian Air Force came to bomb Israel and they heard a, a voice in Arabic telling them to come and leave, come and, come, telling them to come and land. And they landed, and that voice belonged to a speaker of Egyptian Arabic uh, who was Jewish. So yes, it's ter the loss of life, um, is uh, tragic but looking at the history of warfare uh, civilians do die especially in cases where the combatants like Hamas hide among civilians and I think Israel the Israel Defense Forces the Israeli army can be very proud of the fact that they're even putting the lives of their own soldiers at risk to minimize uh, civilian casualties. This is not the type of... You will not hear any accolades in the halls of the United Nations, an organization that started out with high hopes and descended to levels of... Um, real moral depravity but that fact remains I wish my listeners a blessed and peaceful week and I wish for 
Israel and the world the ability to see humanity on the other side of the divide, whatever that divide is. I thank you and have a blessed week. This wraps up another weekly episode of Between the Presets. I thank you all for the pleasure of sharing with me my weekly muse. Whatever platform you access, hitting like, subscribe, or leaving a comment is much appreciated. My email address is thewinterriders at gmail.com. Thewinterriders at gmail.com. Until next week, adio, which in some African languages means born on Monday or be righteous and closely resembles adios in Spanish.